0: You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to and now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is Served.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of uh, Black Hollywood Live's Justice is Served, where we bring you the latest in legal news and entertainment. I'm your host, Rawa Barab, joined by my lovely co-host, Lonnie Coombs. So glad to be back with you, Lonnie. How are you? It's
2: great to be here.
1: Um, Yeah, before we get started, I have a quick plug for... Um, a project of our founder for After Buzz and for Black Hollywood Live, Maria Menunis' new book, uh, The Every Girl's Guide to Diet and Fitness. The book just came out. You guys should check it out. You can buy it uh, in stores and online. So... uh Any way to
2: get Maria's fabulous body, I will read. She she looks amazing. I will take
1: notes. So (laughs) looking forward to checking this out. Uh, we have a pretty full show today. We've got a lot going on, uh, starting with the troubling legal issues surrounding, uh, renowned radio announcer Casey Kasem. There's a very bitter family dispute brewing. Uh, and, uh, we, we go into, uh, NFL great Dan Marino's a uh, concussion lawsuit that he filed and withdrew. Chris Brown is out of jail. Uh, we have uh, information about uh, a recent murder that was, or attempted murder that took place um, out in the Midwest uh, regarding two uh, young girls that uh, um, stabbed a a young woman based upon a fan fiction, uh, Slender Man. And we'll talk about the impact of, of, of fan fiction and, and the internet on, on, on crime. So, uh, we'll go ahead and get started today with, uh, Case of the Week, which is the really sad and strange family battle over radio legend Casey Kasem. So, this bitter, there's a really bitter family dispute brewing over the, um, and has been brewing for some time over the care of renowned radio announcer, uh, Casey Kasem, and it continues to just get more and more bizarre. Uh, just to give a little bit of background, uh, the, uh this radio icon has been at the center of a family feud, uh, between Gene Kasem, his wife of 34 years, this is his second wife and his three children, Carrie, Julie, and Mike Kasem. And uh, they're the children from his first marriage. And uh, the children are alleging that Gene has prevented them from seeing their father. They're alleging that she, you know, fails to take care of him. He's getting older. He's getting sicker. And they're just really concerned about his well-being. Uh, and, uh, and it's just been a very bitter back and forth in the media. Gene uh, alleges that it's, you know, money-related, whereas the kids are saying, you know, this is not about money. This is about her dad. And... Um, it's it's just gotten really nasty. And uh, initially he'd been at a facility in Santa Monica. He's 82. He'd been in a facility. Uh, he was taken from the facility by Jean Kasem to Washington state, uh, even though she took him without uh, the knowledge and permission of the court, uh, because now his his eldest daughter, uh, Carrie, has a has a temporary conservative conservatorship over him, um, and his care. And, um, last week, a Washington court actually granted Carrie the right to, uh, visit her father and to have him checked out by a doctor. So, uh, and this is where the story starts to get a little bit weird. So we have video actually of Carrie and, uh, and uh, you know, accompanied by police, accompanied by paramedics to go to the house in Washington, uh, in Washington state where Casey and, and Jean, uh, were. Uh, and uh it got a little strange. Let's roll the video real quick.
2: to you to the dogs.
1: To- pretty short pretty short video but uh what you saw what you just saw there was Jean Caseum coming into uh the driveway of the home after they'd removed Casey from the house with the paramedics and you know, on a gurney and uh she uh threw meat alleged to be hamburger meat i'm not really sure what kind of meat but that's what they're saying at Carrie screaming like uh different scriptures uh and and just going on and on kind of uh, bumbling about and not really making a lot of sense and um and now, there are questions that have been raised about <laughs> her own mental health state and so, um, I think my first question for you, Lonnie, is like uh, what does what does that video and uh, what does that say about really probably the direction that this case is going to go moving forward?
2: Well, it's interesting. First of all, she did explain herself. Mm -hmm. Jean did. She said, look, if you want to know why I was throwing raw meat at Carrie, um, and I think this is a reference to something in the Bible, she said that when a person is about to pass away, there are always rabid dogs. Mm -hmm. So she was throwing this meat at him. Now, she actually filed a lawsuit on Wednesday, so just two days ago. uh, Jean did, responding to what happened um, and essentially saying that... um, Carrie and the kids were doing this for money. Mm -hmm. That they want to take, um, his 80 million dollar fortune, estimated to be that much. And she alleges that Carrie wants to donate it to the Church of Scientology, which, you know, is a, a word that sets everybody all the bells and whistles going off. Um, and that they don't have his best interests at heart. Now, Carrie's responded to this verbally and is going to respond to it in court also saying, look, um, you can look at my bank accounts. So oh, the other thing that Jean alleged is that over the years since Carrie was um, very young, that Casey and Jean had loaned her close to 1.3 million dollars and that she needed to pay it back, and that it wasn't supposed to be gifts. Um, and this is going back to since she was 18 years old. So apparently Jean has been keeping, keeping track, track of the books. <laughs> um, and Carrie said, look, that is not true. Uh, you can look at my bank accounts. You can look at the financial dealings between my father and I. And um, I'm not a member of Scientology. I have in, looked into many different churches, including B- Buddhism, and ch- including Scientology, that, of course, Jean has picked on this um, controversial church to try and—, and um, paint me in a bad light. Now, the other thing is that Carrie is alleging that Jean is not taking good um, care of Mm -hmm. Casey. And that's really the fundamental issue here. Uh, Is Casey being taken care of? What happened about a year ago, this has been going on about a year, is according to the children, Gene essentially cut off all contact Mm -hmm. between the kids and um, Casey. And as we know, he has this um, illness, this Lewy body disease, which is the most common type of progressive dementia after Alzheimer's. And so everyone's concerned about his physical and mental health. And so the kids are saying, look, we can't even see him to verify for ourselves if he's okay. We can't get access to him. We can't you know, monitor his progress. Um, And so that's been the biggest concern. But as you heard, the doctor just, the judge just recently said that Carrie could start seeing him on a regular basis. But along with that, Carrie started making allegations that, well, he's not being taken care of. I have a doctor who says he has bed sores. Um, he's got infections in the lungs and bladders. This has all happened since Gene took him out of this Santa Monica hospital where he was getting the right care but interestingly enough that same doctor filed an affidavit with the court on June 1st while well, said that he did a, an examination on June mm-hmm. 1st and that he was in fine condition and that in fact that the care that he was um, getting there in Washington in this home appeared to be appropriate for all of the um, health issues that he has. Why the contradiction? So we've got this kind of going back and forth Mm -hmm. and now we hear this morning that he had a health scare yesterday and now he's also uh, in I guess dire condition today and supposedly the family hopefully Mm -hmm. the entire family is um, around him uh, at his bedside and he's apparently in the hospital right now so So there's a lot of issues that come up under elder care. And this is not like this is a a second wife, you know, the trophy wife that came in at the last minute. She has been his wife and caretaker for 34 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And he is now 85 years old, as we know, or 82 years old, as we Mm -hmm. know. You know, Mm -hmm. people, when they get into their 80s, have a lot of health issues. And I think the main issue here is that the kids want to have access to their dad Mm -hmm. um, and make sure that he's being taken care of. So, uh, and I think that a court would say, yeah, that's appropriate. There should be um, some type of access between the kids and the dad. Um, so and there's a lot of other legal regulings and one of the other children besides Carrie said that you know years ago our dad gave me power of attorney if his yeah. health ever deteriorated to the point where we could help take care of him and and Gene has essentially just been there really strong the watchdog saying no this is my husband I'm going to take care of him and as you can see there at the end she's throwing the meat there were also bikers involved um, the Um you know Harley Davidson bikers there and it wasn't sure whose side they were on between Carrie or Gene's and they started to get into a little scuffle so so it was kind of a heated issue there when um, Carrie came to take her father out of the home. But let's hope that at this point everybody's calming down mm-hmm. and putting the lawsuits aside and really focusing on who they all say they're there for, which is Casey.
1: It's such a circus. and uh, and, and what I actually – at first I thought, okay, well, maybe it is money. I think it's easy to really jump to that mm-hmm. because – Casey Kasem is obviously very well off Mm -hmm. and well-to-do, and it's not hard to make that jump. But um, there there has just been so much... So much coming out of Jean's side that just doesn't make a lot of sense, okay, so actually recently her attorney went before went before the judge and in petitioned to to be removed from the case because mm-hmm. she wasn't able to get in contact with her she wasn't responding uh, on on another note, an attorney that was based in washington um appeared on her behalf and he said that he'd also he was contacted by a firm and and stated that uh, well, I was asked to you know appear on her behalf and he didn't even he really didn't know anything about what's going on in the case in terms of his role. He hadn't communicated with Jean as well. So it just looks like things are really not together on her. Yeah. End.
2: It, it, it's interesting that the kids have not asked for some type of um, evaluation of her. Right. Because that is, you know, that, that paranoia, like, you know, cutting everybody off from contact to him, that sounds like now throwing meat and then not contacting her attorneys. It sounds like she's becoming very isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, at least they are staying with a family of friends. And the the woman there is apparently a registered nurse. So that might be a. A safer environment, but um, that kind of paranoia where you're cutting everyone off mm-hmm. is doesn't make anyone comfortable with the situation.
1: Yeah, and it really really spotlights the issue on elder abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and and not to, to say that that's what's necessarily happening because it hasn't been determined yet. But uh, the the issue of uh, adult children uh, fighting to take care of. Um, of, of an elderly parent. It really brings it to the forefront. And uh, we'll see how this plays out because um, it, it's incredibly sad. And as you said earlier, uh, the family appeared to be gathered at the bedside this morning, as, mm-hmm. of, as of this morning. So uh, we'll hope for Casey's continued uh, recovery and uh, see how this plays out because it has gotten pretty nasty up until this point. And,
2: and I will say just a quick mention about oh, elder yeah. abuse. Mm-hmm. It is happening more and more mm-hmm. these days. And I, the cases that I, you know you see in the courts of elder abuse are horrendous. Mm -hmm. So if you have older parents, you know, whatever situation they're in, really we have a responsibility to make sure that our parents are not being taken advantage of. And sadly, so many times it's by family members. right? Either financially, where they wipe them out and they have no money left, or they put them in a situation where they have no say, they have no voice, they have no control over their lives. And so you really need to make sure that wherever your parents are, that they're safe, both physically, financially, and mentally. So, right.
1: And all the all the proper documents definitely have to be in place. You never really know how important they are until they come up.
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah do it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to, on the docket. Um, we've got three cases here. The first one is the Dan Marino. Now, we all know Dan Marino, who is a former Dolphins quarterback. Um, very famous. One of the names that even people who don't follow football would know, and he ended up becoming a part of a lawsuit this week, and you probably saw it in the news and on the headlines. Um, It was one of 15 players to file a lawsuit against the NFL on May 30th, um, where they were saying that the NFL had concealed information about football-related brain injuries and that the league had known about these concussion-related injuries since the early 1970s. Now, if this sounds familiar, this is not the first lawsuit right. of this type. There have been a number of lawsuits um, like this. There's one huge one going on that has about 9,000, I believe, 4,000. Um, 4,000 4, different players are a part of it. It's a huge class action. And it made big headlines when it uh, looked like the NFL and the players had agreed to settle the case first. million last year. Mm -hmm. But the judge actually stepped in and said, you know what, I can't approve that because I think it's actually going to be more than that. You're going to need more money than that, so the NFL's going to have to come up with more money. And that was essentially the same thing. They were talking about the long-term consequences of the traumatic brain injuries that have been showing up in these players, and they wanted to make sure that there was going to be money for treatment um, for these players. And then there's another case also that's been um, filed that has the name um, Jim McMahon attached to it, which is why it got a lot of attention, the former Bears quarterback and seven other players. It was essentially similar, but they were claiming that the league was illegally giving painkillers and other drugs to the players. Uh, without regard for, you know, the potential for addiction or long-term health problems that when they're in the heat of the game, they just give them these pills to get them back out there. Um, so these suits are coming along, but the funny thing or the strange thing, I guess, about the Dan Marino one is days after this hit the headlines and made a big splash, all of a sudden Dan Marino stood up and said, wait a minute. Hold on. (laughs) I didn't know I was a part of this lawsuit. Take my name off that. And essentially he said, look, I, um, Last year, a while ago, put signed a thing that said that um, that I, you know, wanted to make sure that I would be covered if I ever had problems in the future. Um, he authorized a claim last year to be filed on his behalf in case he needed future medical coverage protect, to protect him and his family in the event that he later suffered from the effects of head trauma. Um, and. Because he signed that claim, somehow he ended up automatically getting put in this lawsuit. And he said, "Look, I didn't know about it. Um, I am going to withdraw my name respectfully. I have sympathy for other players who are concerned about this." But it's interesting that they didn't give him a heads up; they should have. Right. But apparently, you know, the backstory is when the attorneys wanted to attach a big name to their lawsuit because it gets the attention, and he is a big name. To allegedly, they want to become a part of the bigger claim and so they were hoping to kind of legitimize their claim um by doing that um the reason why dan marino allegedly wants to pull out is because he is hope you know he's been a commentator on television Mm -hmm. for many years and he's hoping to perhaps have some future um in the nfl still working with um another football team and if you're sitting there being a a major part of this lawsuit um that doesn't really help the relationship there between your future employer Um, and they should have known because Dan Marino has actually been a player who has kind of stepped up and said, you know, I'm a little bit ambivalent about these lawsuits because um, he said this. And this was in a, an interview back in 2013. He said, when I went out there to play, I knew there was a chance I could get a concussion or I could break a leg mm-hmm. or get a knee injury. I really do believe they're protecting the players as much as they can right now. Which I think is an interesting point because I I have a lot of sympathy for these players for all of the damage that's happening. But on the other hand, these lawsuits are going to take care of the ones who've already been injured. But are they saying we have to stop the sport of football the way it's played now? Because essentially that's what needs to be done. Right. Because that's an inherent part of the way that football game is played, is that people are going to get hit, they're going to get concussions, they're going to have these injuries. So, yeah, you can help take care of the ones who've already been injured, but going forward, Rawa, do you think there's going to be lawsuits saying, hey, we need to change the game?
1: No, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, at least not in the near future. Um, I, I i don't – this is not what um, – Like jumps out from this case for me. What really jumps out is that something in the milk is just not clean right now. I mean, (laughs) I just don't don't understand. Like, something just doesn't make sense. Somebody on Twitter actually commented and I can't recall who it was. Otherwise, I'd attribute it to them. But they said something to the effect of when the headline of of Dan Marino files then withdraws uh, a concussion lawsuit. Like, this is uh, evidence of someone who maybe might have a concussion (laughs) who doesn't know what they're doing. (laughs) It just seemed like it just seemed so strange that somebody with with, um, as big a name as Dan Marino wouldn't, first of all, wouldn't have had a heads up. Yeah. Uh, second of all, that he would. Um that he would backpedal, but backpedal in such a politically correct way. I mean, if somebody put me on the front of a lawsuit yeah. um, and I had the reputation that Dan Marino had, I mean, oh, if I had the reputation that I have, you know, yeah. I'm going to be really upset about it. And I think I'm going to – I, I would have – I maybe would have come out a bit stronger.
2: Yeah, but remember, he has a job as a commentator. He's hoping supposedly to get a future position right. with the Miami Dolphins. I mean, the NFL does not want fiery, you know, people who are out there trying to be litigious or, you know, making a big wave. They want people who are going to look professional, maintain that decorum, Um, and I don't know what the position is that he's hoping to have, Mm -hmm. but whether it's in management or, you know, as a spokesperson, I would think that his demeanor, the way he's handled it, would go more to facilitate that relationship.
1: True, true, but, um, and and I think that's part of, you know, the milk not being clean. Just, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, didn't you think this through? I mean, you've been kind of in this position for a while of somebody who would be angling. I heard that he was actually um, from various sources that he's angling for a position I think with the Dolphins, yes, the uh, dolphins. The dolphins? yeah, yeah. Um, and so mm-hmm. uh, I mean if, if that was something that was in the works it's just really bad PR yeah it it's looks either, really bad it's
2: either bad PR or bad attorneys correct to, <laughs> who correct. did not give him the heads up and that's a bad move yeah all right our next story Chris Brown He's free. He's free. <laughs> he got out of jail. Uh, he was released Monday just after midnight, as you know. They do these usually in the middle of the night so he can sneak out and, you know, there won't be a ton of media following him. I should have, put a,
1: different, I should have put a different picture up because he looks very different. I saw recent pictures last night. Ooh. Yeah, and he's gained quite a bit of weight. He looks, mm-hmm. he looks really healthy. Anyway, I'm he's sorry had to some cut you friends off. come
2: over, usher, yeah. and some other people come see him. Yeah. He's been in jail since March. Mm-hmm. We know that he got in trouble and he was at the drug um, rehab uh, facility which was court ordered right. in custody and he did not follow the rules so he was put in jail and then he got the, um had the case in Washington DC which um you know was going to be a potential probation violation he went to DC on Conair um to go wow. start that trial and right just before the trial started um there were problems with the prosecution's star witness who was one of the co-defendants and so um it kind of put on hold so he was brought back and Mark Garagos said, I'm going to go ahead and have him admit his probation violation here in L.A., have him do his time, whatever the sentence is going to be, which is exactly what he did. And now he's out free. Mm -hmm. Well, now the prosecutor prosecutor in Washington, D.C. is saying, oh, you just admitted guilt in a probation violation. I'm going to use that to speed up the trial right. here. I wanted to go to trial now. Mark Geragos is saying, oh, "No, no, that's not what we did." <laughs> well, what do you think is going to go on there? I'm not exactly. I'm, I'm
1: not exactly sure. I mean, I think that they just so desperately want to get him to trial in mm-hmm. um, in DC that that. I mean, that's a, a tactic that they would use. But I'm. I'm, I'm just really. Um, I'm kind of confused about the direction of, of how this is going to go, and um, it, it's actually, I think, been one of the most complicated things about this case, like how the interplay between L.A. and mm-hmm. the probation uh, situation going well, on here in D.C. Yeah, um, and that in that case, there,
2: I'll tell you, it's usually up to the d- attorney, mm-hmm. his attorney, Mark Garagos, who's representing him in both cases, to work those cases out so that they kind of go hand in hand. Right. And remember, we were sitting here two weeks ago, and I said, I think it's strange mm-hmm. that Mark Garagos is pleading, going ahead and admitting the probation violation without. having having worked out what's going on in Washington, D.C. But I assume, because Mark Garagos has experienced it, he had something Mm -hmm. under, you know, the table or in his file or whatever. He had something worked out. Um, But apparently the D.C. prosecutor doesn't feel that way. Now, you know, all they're saying is we want to, you know, speed up the trial. And I don't think that any way would they be able to use the admission in court in, you know, right. the trial in Washington, D.C. So I don't know that, you know, they're, they're making a lot of, you know, it, fuss about
1: It does nothing. seem like they're making a lot to do of it. I mean, he does have a right to speedy trial, so, I mean, I guess that they... Well,
2: <laughs> but he's... The, yeah, they're the ones that are trying to speed it up. Right, exactly.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know... Uh, and
2: honestly, for mm-hmm. Chris Brown, I would say get it over with. I would, too. Get that trial over with before you get into any more trouble. Mm-hmm. Get it done, you know, and then have a clean slate of everything.
1: Yeah, it seems like it's a, been been pretty traumatic for him. He's, uh, he came, uh, I think when he first came out, uh, was it Monday? Uh, he he tweeted Something to the effect of, I'm just so humbled and blessed. Thank you, God. And um, really, I'm really hoping that he's going to turn it around. He's, he's had a pretty rough uh, rough year already. And yeah. uh, we will see.
2: And this is the chance. Like I said before, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, if there's going to be any time when people do have sympathy and empathy and say, okay, we'll give you a second chance, it's after you get out of jail. Right. You did your time. You, you know, you stood up and did it. And not, now let's see. Now let's see what going forward what you're going to do. And
1: the media has been notoriously hard on him. Um, and, uh, you know, and not to say that it wasn't warranted at yeah. times, but... um. I wonder if the I wonder if the DC prosecutor is really just kind of playing on the continuing to play on the fact that this guy has just been pretty much vilified. Yeah,
2: either that or they're a little upset. I'll just, you know, the interplay between attorneys, mm-hmm. I'll, they might have been a little upset that Mark Garagos went ahead and took, if they did, right. took care of the LA case without telling them what was going on. So it might just be, you know, a little clash of personalities. Oh, a little power I could play. I can see it. I could <laughs> see it. <laughs> okay, last uh, case on the docket is Donald Sterling. Lord, I hope this is the end we
1: hear, this is the end, like okay. the last thing we hear from him in a long time. Everyone
2: thinks this is the end, but I'm going to go on the record right now to say, I wouldn't <laughs> hold my breath. You're right. You're right. You're <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so as we heard over the weekend, um, there was this big push by his wife, Shelly Sterling, to work out this deal to sell the team um, before the NFL team owners were going to get together and do this official vote to vote Donald mm-hmm. Sterling out and give him the fine and all of this horrible things. Um, and sure enough, she was able to put a, a deal together uh, for $2 billion, which is just crazy money um especially for the amount that they paid for it right. nice ch- um,
1: nice chunk of change nice chunk of change
2: yeah and um and the nfl actually signed off on it mm-hmm. but uh and shelly said look i have the authority to do this first she said you know donald wrote me a letter and said you can go ahead and take care of this do this do the sale whatever you want to do i give you authorization and supposedly she met with um uh, bomber mm-hmm. who is the um guy who's going to come in and pay the $2 billion at her home in Malibu for an hour and discuss the situation. And she felt good about it and felt like, okay, this is the right person to sell to. And so she worked it out. Well, then uh, Donald Sterling didn't like it. So then she said, I never gave you authority. So then she said, well, okay, I'm working under provision of the family trust, which is how we own this where it says if someone is mentally incompetent, the other person, meaning Shelly can take, you know, sole authority and, and do what needs to be done. And she says that they had proof from doctors. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, Donald is objecting to that. So he, um, when he heard that, okay, the NFL appro- approved the sale, he says, I'm objecting to the sale and I'm going to file a billion dollar lawsuit against the NFL. And it's because they, one, are using right. these illegal recordings against me. And two, um, they committed a breach of contract by fining me for, um, my actions. And they also violated antitrust laws, trying to force me into a sale. So that was the big lawsuit. Well, now his attorney has come forward, not Donald, notice, but his attorney has come forward and said, you know what? Everything's okay. He's going to let the sale go through. He's going to withdraw his lawsuit from the NFL. We're going to all move on and be a happy family. I was
1: wondering when he was going to do that because he was just letting.
2: Okay, but let me tell you this. So far, there's been no signature from Donald Sterling. Right. So the question is, do you really think this is the last thing for Now, people are saying, you know, the people are trying to explain to him, look, if you fight this, if you fight the sale, if you fight uh, the lawsuit, your mental stability is going to come at an issue. An I- issue. Mm-hmm. So maybe he doesn't want to bring that up in court. What do you think?
1: I think it depends on the day. Yeah. I really do. I, um, from what I've seen just in the past, I think it was the past month, month and a half of how this is all played out. Yeah. Um. He just doesn't seem to Stable. be all there. Yeah, just, you know, right now, of course, we don't know for sure, but I mean, just how erratic he's been, the back and forth. Um, it, it, it just, it just doesn't make sense. And, and those interviews with Anderson Cooper obviously did not help. Mm-hmm. Um, or that one interview, actually. And so, um, I, I don't think this will be the end of it. I was hoping it would be, mm-hmm. but, um, I mean, I think that he'll eventually get forced out. But um, for now, it it, it seems to be. But hey, next week, it could be something else. I mean, just last week when we were discussing this case, he had just said, okay, I'm filing this billion-dollar lawsuit. And I was kind of wondering where his attorney was on all this. I mean, Mm -hmm. I understand as an attorney, you have to kind of go with what your client wants. But at the same time, it seemed like uh, at least, you know, from a public perception, that his attorney Max Bletcher, Blecker, I'm not really sure he mm-hmm. pronounced his last name, he uh he just seemed to be very aggressive about his his client's position and was like, Okay, do you not see what we're seeing over mm-hmm. here, Max? Do you so um although I will say
2: legally I think those were Legitimate issues that they were raising. You know, at about some the, point, about the illegal recordings, mm-hmm. about, the, I mean, I think at some point somebody will end up perhaps testing that NFL constitution perhaps. in mm-hmm. court. Now, what I find interesting is that the owners, and I kept saying, hey, if the owner, if everybody's so upset, why are those owners making that vote? They could have voted within the first week, but they kept pushing it back, oh, yeah. pushing it back until all of a sudden everything got taken care of. They didn't have to take a stand and say, we are going to push this and say, this is this is what this Constitution says. And now we're all being held to the same standard. They never took that vote. You're right. They don't want it. <laughs> no. Yeah. They don't want to go on record that way. You know, and we do know it's not the end of it because there's been another lawsuit filed by right. another ex girlfriend slash mistress slash assistant, whatever it was. And there's a whole bunch of, you know, sex and salacious details coming out um, in that one that, you know, I'm sure people will want to... I hear about I don't know it's, there's some interesting details but she's going into a lot of detail about their relationship yeah. and saying that he was you know sexually inappropriate and, and so the the end is not you know, it's slightly.
1: not and, and even if he decides he doesn't want to be in the news anymore and he just wants to shut this down I think that now a lot of people who may have had you know issues with him in the past legitimate or not legitimate uh may be bringing them to the forefront because it's such a such a good time it's such an opportune time yeah. for I mean what better time for her to file this lawsuit than right now? She's like, okay, well, look at the guy. You know, my lawsuit is actually believable right now. So I think we're going to see a lot more litigation against him. And he's a fighter, so, I mean, I I don't doubt he 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 won't back down.
2: You know what I would hope he would do is, you know, really... Do try and do a PR campaign to turn himself around and take this $2 billion and start making some really wonderful donations mm-hmm. to different charities and organizations here in the L.A. area yeah. that need some money and help and support. And, you know, that I mean, that would be one way that, you know, he could actually change his image. Right. We'll see.
1: We will see. So moving on to our last um, segment of the show today, Tipping the Scales, uh, Creativity or Reality is Online Fan Fiction to Blame in an Attempted Murder Case. So we have this really disturbing story that came out, I think it was at the end of last week. Um, it, it comes out of Wisconsin. And uh, there, are, there are two 12-year-old girls who have now been charged as adults, both facing up to 65 years for attempted murder of another 12-year-old girl who happened to be a friend. Uh, they lured her to the woods and stabbed her about nineteen times. Uh, left the girl severely injured. Thank God somebody came along and, and, and was able to to like rescue her. her. So yeah. she's 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 um in critical condition right now and recovering. Uh but I mean all parties are twelve years old. Uh, which just completely still boggles my mind. And uh, many have really been quick to, to blame these online communities uh, that perpetuate the myth of Slender Man. I've never even heard of Slender Man before. (laughs) I didn't know what that was. It's like, okay, something that the kids are doing online, what's going on. So um, I looked into that. Slender Man is a fictional internet character that was created in 2009, who the alleged perpetrators say inspired them to kill this young woman. Uh, I, think, I don't know if we have a picture of of him but uh just to give you a brief description yeah there he is mm-hmm. he's actually pretty freaky. Yeah. But uh tall thin man, completely blank face, featureless face, uh wearing a black suit, uh and uh the stories of Slenderman, the a character was created in 2009. So these stories were created kind of outside of the purview of the original author and the original creator of Slenderman. So now you have all these just you, all these different communities coming together, a Slenderman community where people create their own stories, fan fiction, and uh the character is commonly featured uh stalking, abducting, traumatizing, killing uh children and um you know that's it's not my area but you know people are people are into this for for whatever reason and um uh it, the character went viral and it's just got he's just got really he It has a really uh, huge, huge, yeah, yeah, I think it's safe to say. Uh, didn't want to misgender, but um, spawned just a really huge online following. And so, uh, now because we've because of this attempted murder, we're seeing just a lot of blame being put on the media. And you know, this is nothing new, we see it all the time. Uh, you know, this is the media's fault. I mean, we have these kids out here just being exposed to all types of inappropriate images, and uh, and the commute the slender man online community can. Came out and just said, you know what, this is horrible what has happened. Absolutely horrible. This is not what we're about. It's a fantasy world that we kind of live in online, but this is not what we do. And so um, I'd, I'd really love to just kind of kick off the discussion briefly about uh, what's, the, what's the problem here. I don't personally don't think it's one or the other. I don't think it's necessarily all the media's fault. I don't think it's all the Internet's fault. Um, but at, at the same time, I mean, having these young kids who are susceptible to to these types of images and these types of stories uh, may actually impact them in a negative way.
2: Well, yeah, let's let's go to what the, the two girls told the police mm-hmm. about this. Um, you know, they had been planning for weeks, right. months to kill um, their friend, their friend exactly. and they had three different scenarios and they finally picked the third one and so the day that they were planning to do it they went home and this one the one girl, Weir, she said we went to my house We, I packed up a backpack with clothes, granola bars, water bottles and a picture of her mother, father and siblings because she didn't want to forget them mm-hmm. because after they killed their friend they were going to go to this haunted mansion that they believed was where Slender Man lived and they were going to say look we killed this girl so now we want to become part of your home, your community. And the other do- girl um the accused attempted murderer said um that she let me just find the quote here um she said um that she felt like they had to do it or slender man would kill her family um and then she also said you know what what i think we did was wrong but it was weird i didn't feel any remorse
1: so disturbing
2: very disturbing. So, um, you know, people are saying, okay, could this really be that they were this taken in with this person? Who's not a real person, by the way. Um, one expert who works with children um, and what how they d- differentiate between reality and fantasy said, look, by two and a half... Kids are starting to figure out what's real and what's reality. Mm-hmm. They're starting to understand that unicorns and Santa Claus and Easter Bunny goes in the fantasy and not reality. And she said, by twelve, most kids these days are as uh, um, on the same level as adults mm-hmm. for understanding the difference between fantasy and reality. So there's a, a you know some people who believe that these girls just use this as a cover as an excuse for their premeditated attempted murder here. Um, but I think it is something that we do have to really consider. Um, I don't think the media is to blame, just like I don't think that violent video games or violent movies are to blame when someone goes out and kills somebody. However, they do have an effect. Mm-hmm. They do have an impact on the seer, if nothing more than to just desensitize them to blood and right. gore and, and you know, stabbing and killing and dead bodies. As we hear from this girl, I thought it'd bother me, but, no, you know, I don't have really any remorse, and I just left her there. They had no problem leaving her there. as She's, you know, she was still alive when they left her. Right. Um, and so I think that with the Internet, you know, it used to be you, if your kids had to go to a movie, you had some a little bit more control over whether they're going to go see an R-rated movie. Maybe you're not, but with the internet, and we this has been, you know, forever around, but I think parents have become desensitized to it too, you have to watch your kids on the internet. you got to keep those Absolutely. computers in the areas where you can see them, the iPads, the iPhones, because now they can get it anywhere, right. you know, um, and you have to be constantly talking to your kids about it. Apparently, both of these girls, the defendants who are mm-hmm. being charged as adults, their, their brothers knew of their um Fascination with this guy Slenderman, um, and knew that they were really into him. So you know, I, I would think that that should have been a red flag for parents. But probably, like the rest of us, we like, go, "Who's Slenderman? Right. What's Creepy Pasta? What is this?" I didn't even know that there was this whole community out there that where people write these really gory, scary stories and put them out there, and people like to read them. You and know? you don't
1: make the jump like, "Oh, she likes this weird character. Yeah. She'll definitely kill somebody." Like, yeah, you don't I, make exactly. That jump. <laughs> right.
2: Or you know, what what is this? Is it a cartoon? You right. know. And unless a parent really did some research and started reading some of the things that involve Slenderman, and then started talking to their to their kids, um, you know, that's the kind of discussions parents need to have. Now, if there's some type of mental illness right. or you know psychopathy going on there, which I think there was with at least one of these girls, um, I would assume based on what they're saying, then you know you have a whole nother level of. of problems there. But, you know, I don't think you can blame the media, but it's definitely we need to watch the impact because it does have an impact.
1: I agree. And, you know, I'm I'm not a parent, so I really am not out here to kind of police parents. But I mean, there just really has to be but more vigilant. Y- you don't
2: have to be a parent. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is our society. Right. Whether it's your kids or somebody else's kids, you right. know, they could come stab you as easily as they could stab right. somebody else. So I think we all need to be involved in this. Yes.
1: No, absolutely. And um, I, I, I really hate jumping on the blaming the media bandwagon. I always think that's a really easy way out. Um, and it's, yeah, I think it's definitely a cop out, but especially for at risk, um, at risk young people. Um, and what, from what I've been reading, mm-hmm. one of these women had a very troubled, Um, history, mental history, and just kind of troubled past. And so um, these at-risk youth are really susceptible to these online images. So there just really has to be some type of way. I mean, this is, I guess... Man, I remember growing up, I used to read Arl Stein's Goosebumps. And so, I'm yeah, like, wait, this is not what it used to be. And yeah. that scared me plenty. And it really was nothing. So, uh, yeah, we'll continue to see this play out. Of course, after every type of incident like this, where there is some type of media inspiration for a murder, attempted murder, uh, you hear talking heads kind of like ourselves go, mm-hmm. you know, go on and on about, you know, what can we do? And the media is to blame and just really vilify the characters. But the, um, the creator of Slender Man actually stated he wouldn't be. He, he gave a statement saying, uh, "This is horrible. Um, I, my my thoughts and prayers are with the family of uh, of the victim, and uh, I won't be giving any interviews." So mm-hmm. um, he really has tried to just kind of put the kibosh on that. But the online community uh, that supports Slender Man has really come out against um, against what the girl did, of course, and, um, and and there really hasn't been actually the support that I thought there would be for them, given that they were all part of the same community. So that is encouraging and, um, and hopefully a sign that there's some control somewhere being uh, being taken. But uh, that's our show for today. That was uh that was pretty good stuff. Yeah. Some pretty yeah. cool pictures. Next week, we'll bring it. Chris Brown, you know, makes it in the news again, which I hope he won't. I hope it lay low. We'll have <laughs> to put those pictures up of, of his recent, um, how he looks, uh, because he looks pretty different. It kind of really took me by surprise. Or shouldn't, because he was in jail for a while. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's our show today. Thank you so much for being with us. And uh, hopefully we'll see you guys all again next week, uh, next Friday. And uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Rawa.
2: I'm at Lonnie Coombs.
1: And um check us out. Uh, have a great weekend, guys.
0: Bye bye.